Happened in the 90s. Matt was the fat kid, Steve was the flat kid. Life wasn't always great, but you know what was? The 90s. Happened in the 90s. Yeah! Wednesday at 9. I want him taken care of. She made a promise to never return to the streets. Get out of here! But when her closest friend is gunned down... He was murdered. She suits up for action. Now let's ride. <laughs> Betsy Russell is the Avenging Angel. 9 o'clock on Cinema 19 Wednesday... Happy Black History Month, Matt. Happy Black History Month, Steve. Ow. Thank you. Check my tooth. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I didn't see a whole thing, but I saw like a little uh, montage of what happened. Uh, WWE celebrated the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw, I believe. They totally did. And goddamn, was it a nostalgic? I mean, it was right up our alley little older looking everybody looked a little older a little bit worse for the wear but i mean i saw a lot of my 90s heroes there that, that night steve it's good to at least see them ticking i mean yeah they're up there longer in the tooth man but shit they're here above earth i didn't i mean ron simmons still looking great he's still i mean he ain't like yeah. not he ain't like yeah exactly he ain't jacked like that but he's old man i don't how old is this dude 175 yeah, he, that's a grandpa that can kick most grandpa's asses. Damn. Also, it was nice to see Godfather. I thought he was dead for some reason, but the fucking pimp suit still fits, Steve. The Bone Street crew, man. Him, Undertaker, Yokozuna, and Crush from uh, Demolition, man. That was their crew. They they were bikers, They and they played dominoes together. That's where the name came from, uh, the Bone Street crew. And that was like Shawn Michaels. He had his clique, Nash Hall and X-Pac. Uh, and then Taker had his crew and I, I like to think that nobody wanted problems with Taker's crew because it's Taker, Godfather, Yokozuna and fucking Crush from Demolition and there might have been some other people. I mean Yokozuna is the one that you have to worry about least and it's like that guy was what 600 pounds so that's a beat. Was he riding on a fucking motorcycle though? He might have wore a jacket. Uh, they might have found a, uh, like a couple cows. To, to gonna, how many together. fucking cows did that you know, take? Jesus Christ. He probably rode the bus and they were like, all right, run, 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 we'll see you there, man. That's it's a, this is funny. But uh, when I moved back to Virginia, <laughs> my mom showed me a bunch of stuff that she found. And for some reason, dude. Uh, when I was at one of my fattest, apparently, judging from the size, I wanted a leather jacket. <laughs> With the fringes? No, not that. It's just a straight-up oh. leather, like, like a link, like, right below the dick-level leather jacket. But the amount of cows that lost their life, see, this thing could upholster a full, like, an Escalade interior. It was insane. He liked the leather. <laughs> he likes the leather. Yeah. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> I need it was cool, man. Also, it was cool to see DX like not fully together. I don't know why badass Billy Gunn couldn't bother to be there, but 
uh, AEW. Oh, is that why? And his sons are in AEW, so he's tied to them. He's on the other side, so. Well, Kurt Angle filled in, and it was funny. And, uh, you know, Road Dog. he's looking a little bit, uh, he's gained a little weight. He looked ba- like Bam Bam Bigelow, not Road Dog, but he was there. Oh, dog. <laughs> X-Pac is still, you know, he pocking. He looked and good, I, honestly, for what hit. Like you think of everybody, X Pac would be the roughest, but he he's still kicking. And uh, you also had a Taker moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, um, the other guy from the shit that Ron Simmons was in. The other guy is actually in. Like he's like a manager in WWE now, isn't he? JBL. Uh, he he's like uh, he was um one of the general managers at one point he was a wrestler as like a texan guy um after the apa deal with with ron simmons um i don't think he's a manager i don't know though i I don't watch the current product because it's just hard to stomach i mean rick flair though was looking he had a straight magnificent suit on black and yellow just straight i mean it was out of like an insane like shannon sharp collection that we've never seen before he introduced his uh, daughter, right? Yeah, I, I I think so. Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, yeah. And could you imagine if you went to like high school with Charlotte Flair, Steve? You'd yeah. be all over that, wouldn't you? You would just been. I would. I would just want to hang out. Honestly, like, can we hang out with your dad? She probably got that a lot. I bet. Totally. Is she saying like she's cool? You know what I mean? Um, I, there's a no, picture of her. Parties. Yeah, they all do. Uh, there's a picture of her online as a kid and her she brought her dad for uh you know when your parents come and tell them what they do and you know there's a picture of her and rick in a, in a classroom and he's got the belt with him and to Damn. be in that classroom god i would just be yeah. big dicking down the hallway at school if that was happening and rick flair was my dad would be like guys yeah. i own this place now that's dope well charlotte flair She's cool. Uh, I can't remember all the other ones, but it was... They did some cool shit, man. There was like a poker game with some legends in it. Yeah, DDP was there. I mean, that's straight. I loved it. Gangsta. Uh, Fun fact that I just learned. You might know this. You're a bigger fan of this show. But uh, I was watching Baywatch last night. And uh, I was not aware that JT from Step by Step was Hasselhoff's son on Baywatch before step by step brandon cole wait so wait jt jt is the oldest son he was uh frank's son the the kid who left he dropped out of high school to sell cars and step by step the one up the first step oh, by step I, dude i'm before. dude i'm thinking of fucking okay i was thinking of home improvement yeah okay jt marijuana affects the memory got it so he's hasselhoff's son in baywatch in the early seasons, yeah. I didn't know that, but I mean, hey, maybe you got some tips. That's all I told him how to. <laughs> I saw something about Pam Anderson coming out. At the summer, but something's going on with Pam Anderson right now, too. So that's another Baywatch fun fact. Yeah, and uh, I follow Zachary Ty Bryan, and uh, the, the word on the street is that Tim Allen was acting inappropriate. Uh, with her behind the scenes 
and Zachary Ty Bryan, he's he's speaking out on behalf of his uh, dad, his TV dad, because I guess they they still have a bond. And he said, like, man, I was on that show for years, never seen anything of that nature. I don't know what she's talking about. And he's actually like doing interviews about this to kind of like, I guess, chase the clout that Pamela Anderson's chasing. Um, I mean, I love Pamela Anderson. I want I've busted a nut to her many a time. But if it happened Same. in your first week on the job or whatever of home improvement, I know it was a different climate, but why is it ha- coming out now? What are you getting out of it? And like, what is the point of it? Like, you just thought one day, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to just talk about that time Tim Allen showed me his dick. <laughs> not great. It's not a great look, but did you went on to just throw a tape out of you getting fucking raw dogged on a boat. Oh. So, yeah. you know, let's not throw fucking stones at glass houses. I don't know. I don't even know if it happened, Steve. I don't know. I don't know. But we Allegedly do know Tim Mellon's no angel. the word of choice here. But, yeah, that's it's weird. And as much as I love Pamela Anderson, I don't want to, like, besmirch her name or Tim Allen. So I don't know what's going on there. But... I don't know. Oh, no. Things we don't really need, but can't live without. The remote control. I don't need it. I want it. Underwear. Mind you, I don't need them. I just wear them as a courtesy to others. And now the Mood Cup from White Castle. Free with a 32-ounce soft drink. Quench your thirst in three mood-revealing designs. Like these burgers, we just can't live without them. So maybe I don't need it. Woo! But I can't live without my Mood Cup. Now that hit the spot. Well, hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Maggie with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So get out your Kendall Gill jerseys and your sharing crowns, because punks jump up to get beat down. Punks jump up to get beat. Nothing but a beat. <laughs> Dude, uh, cute alert on this episode of Full House, Steve. I mean, if you want to just fucking make people tear up from cuteness... It's about to happen. Oh man, the, the, the tides are about to be turned. This is about to be the Jesse and Michelle show. And uh, what, what I like about this, man, where, where we fit in the timeline, we're, we're getting some of these shows fresh out the 80s. So it still has that naivete to it where you have to just kind of throw logic and, and reality out the window just to fit your mind into these storylines of the episode, man. And uh, I'm talking about, of course, what we're talking about is Full House. Uh, we're covering that again. And uh, I think the last time we covered Full House, uh, it was featuring a character that's going to be in this episode, if I'm not fucking, mistaken. Fucking uh, Gage from Pet Cemetery, Steve. He came out of the grave and got a fucking acting career, so salute to him. Boys have penises, girls have vaginas. Yeah. That kid fucking made a min off of that. I went, like... Shout out to his mom and dad for allowing him to be the kid to say that. Because you know they went to a bunch of parents and they were like, I'm not comfortable with them saying that on camera. Uh, And I mean, look at where he's at now. He's hanging out with Michelle Tanner. Throwing some shade, honestly. He's fucking her head up. He's manipulative. 
well, as we'll see, young Miko Hughes, uh, he he would grow on to be a menace because, uh, yeah, man, he, he's somewhat of a hater of the girls. Uh, who hurt you, Miko? Who hurt you, young Miko? Aaron? He came out easy, uh, Steve. They go into the ground. They come out different. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, we get to talk about a show that we have not had the chance to talk about. And I blame Wikipedia uh, because their dates are off. Uh, the it's ultimate, up. yeah, the, the, the ultimate say-so, I guess, is IMDB. They seem more valid. And so I had to cross-reference and see, uh, like, when did these shows fucking air? And IMDB, they said that my brother and me, a fucking fan favorite, people's favorite, the final episode aired on February 2nd, 1995. And, my friend, we were talking about all things February 2nd in the 90s, starting off in 1990. Full House is airing the episode Bye Bye Birdie. Michelle's first day of preschool goes badly when she accidentally releases the class's pet bird. Stephanie becomes glued to DJ's diary. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> and cuteness. I mean, this might be, if you want to, like I'm saying, this is... This is puppy dog eye level shit going on here. Um, Michelle's young. Um, you know, she's a toddler. Lori Laughlin isn't in jail yet. Times are good, Steve. Shit's still fucking nice. Man, you know, people still are having feathered hair. Danny's you know, loud clothing. Rocking his English professor suit. Michelle's thinking she she's waking up measuring herself and just you know double checking the, how much she's grown she's trying to squeeze every inch out and i never did this as a kid because i was growing more horizontally than vertically for most of my young life and that's not a measurement you want but uh michelle i think she grows a half inch and she's happy about it steve she wants to grow up yeah eh, she's not like geeked about it she's just like eh, no big deal Thea, and I, I have, I've wanted to do this episode because Michelle, uh, Mary Kate, Ashley, they are fucking crushing it in this episode. Like, this is one of those, like, hey, we're about to be the fucking breakout stars of this shit. Watch. They, the producers were like, look, this is all on your shoulders, little girl. You gotta, we need this, okay? The Danny Tanner thing, it's not tracking. We need you. You and that scumbag Greek guy. We need you guys to pop off, and that's it. And she does, yeah. Steve. They they do kill it. They do. Sure. Yeah. Um, Everything she says, they're we're like America's eating out of their hand. Oh, and I mean, we were all doing it. I mean, even Stephanie was doing everything she can to be cute, you know, and saying like, "How rude." I mean, I feel like that. Those were the first ones, but then you get like. You got it, dude. And I mean, you're crushed at that point. Exactly. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. You know, then the money starts really rolling in. So Michelle's cute. She's growing a little bit. She's, you know, like Steve said, that's not really her real main concern here. Her main concern is tomorrow, first day of preschool. And we all know what that's like, Steve. Because you got you to gotta fucking be solid. You can't look fucked up. And you, it's... Mm, I don't like this. I remember this. Yeah. She's getting the jitters, man. Not knowing what to expect. And uh, Michelle's, she's, it's bedtime. 
but uh, she's not sleepy. Uh, despite the fact Uncle Jesse's got her, her clothes laid out, they even tell her a bedtime story about how dope her first day of preschool is gonna be. Michelle is not moved by any of that shit. She can't sleep. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does. They they do everything they can. They they give her this story. There's like eight adults putting this child to bed. I mean, it's overkill. It's a special uh, day. It is, and. So they put her to bed. She finally goes to bed. She goes into a dream, this trippy, like, Alice in Wonderland dream of basically her first day of preschool. It's something related to that, but it's all the Alice in Wonderland characters. And then she's like a giant version of herself. And they're worshiping her like a god. It's very bizarre and trippy. I don't know. That's the best explanation I can give. Aunt Becky has freckles. Her dad's dream dress is like El Chavo. Uh, Uncle Joey and Jesse are there. And uh, Michelle is a princess. And they're singing a song that has no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, all to praise Michelle, the princess. Uh, yeah. Now, Michelle wakes up early. It's still fucking... The moon is still up. And she's ready for some pre-K, goddammit. But she ain't got no wheels. So she's gonna have to wait. And uh, we cut to the next morning. DJ and Steph are all ready for school, and Steph is all in DJ's mix. So what's going on? Who are you talking about? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> and this is typical, because I was like this when my sister, because there's a nine-year difference between me and my sister, so it was a big age gap. But I do remember being a young dude, like kid, and just being pestering my sister about everything she's doing. I don't know why kids do this, but she is. She's all up in the biz. And I feel like DJ's sort of like fucking teasing her, obviously, but she wants all the hot goss. Who are you kissing? You know, what, what, did you see a picture of uh, some dick? I I don't know what's in the diary, but it's got to be juicy because Stephanie's all over it. Um, While this is happening, Michelle's packing a meal like a coal miner (laughs) getting ready to go to like a week's worth of work someplace. She's got a rotisserie chicken. Uh, I mean, two apples. Yeah, two like a, of lettuce. Um, yeah, I was gonna say there's some lettuce up in that. This is like a Bam Bam Bigelow snack, basically. Well, she does have her bases covered, man. She's got her protein. She's got her roughage. She got her lettuce. She's got her fruits, and she's got a bucket of butter. And uh, the way she dropped that chicken in the bag just fucking took me out. That motherfucker <laughs> just like bloop. And, uh, you know, she it looks like she's ready to go. Big meal. Maybe she can do a little CrossFit with all the protein she's about to eat. Uh, but the dress, Steve, we noticed that she's obviously a little bit frazzled because the dress is on backwards, Steve. What the fuck are you doing? You bugging, B? Michelle, you bugging. Like, oh, she got doing? her dress on backwards. DJ tells her about it. She was like, it's okay. I'll just walk backwards. Michelle, you fucking wild. You wild out here. You're going to be the gross kid, Michelle. You can't do this. Um, so now DJ's got to help Michelle out. She's in. She's occupied. This leaves Stephanie, who shares a room with DJ. So she's got easy access, but now she's snooping. She's looking. Where's the diary? Where the fuck is it? She can't, you know, I think she finally finds it. Or knows where that's at. But then she's like, okay, I got to find the diary key. And it's not where it usually is. So she's clearly been doing this for years. Steve. I don't like Move that. Sister detective. And uh, now we're at 
pre-K class and Michelle's dragging her dad in the class and uh, so she can get this ball rolling. Uh, and we're introduced to her teacher, Miss Petrie, played by the fine Tyra Farrell, who was Doughboy and Ricky's mom in Boys in the Hood, as well as Sidney Dean's wife in White Men Can't Jump. And I've always had a crush on Tyra Farrell. Damn, and that's I what looked- it was. I knew it. I knew I knew that chick. I was like, I know this chick. Hot- it's not just from being hot. She's been in some. Sidney Dean's wife. Yeah. You ain't gonna be shit. You ain't always never was shit. You never gonna be shit. <laughs> and it, it's funny that like, she's playing this very, this sweet pre-K teacher, smiling and just so calm and positive. And just a year later, she's gonna be cussing out her sons in Compton. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Boy, don't get smart with me because I'll knock your ass in the middle of next week. I love it, Tyra. That's all it takes. And she's, you know, she's a very nice teacher. This is the teacher I wanna see when I'm delivering my kid to preschool. Friendly, inviting, she gets Michelle in, gets them into gets her into the mix to meet the kids and uh she's like uh michelle's instantly seems pretty cool she's you know friendly with the kids she's introduced to miko hughes who is the sharing king i believe and he's wearing the sharing crown sharing crown because he shared his toys yeah he's the king hell yeah i'm the king in this bitch and danny's here and here's the thing steve he set aside his whole day to be here because he's, you know, first day of preschool. Maybe the kid doesn't want to be alone. Maybe I got to stay here. So he's ready to do that. Michelle's like, hey, dad, hit the bricks. Yeah, me, and the kid, me and my buddies have to hang out. Bye. And yeah, uh, the, the teacher's like, so, you know, come back. And he's like, you know what? Great. Freeze me up to like mop the floors or something. This is some, this is bizarre. Well, he says jack the off with some floor. porn on the full volume, Danny. Do something. Well, knowing the Bob Saget we know now, he said wax the kitchen floor. And I just felt like maybe that was like an innuendo that him and uh, Dave Coulier had some inside joke. Because the way he delivered that line, it's like, oh, Bob Saget, you little devil. Um. So, Michelle, she's here. And uh, we cut back to the house. Wait, I'm sorry. No, I apologize. So now I think it's story time in class. We, we haven't been introduced yet? to Dave. We haven't like so Aaron meets Michelle. It's like, hey, we, you 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 got a cool dress on. You you want to come fuck with our bird? We got a we got a class bird. His name Dave. And she's like, yeah, let me check out Dave right quick. So as uh, the kids are on the magic carpet for story time, I'm daydreaming about Miss Petrie's magic carpet. Michelle's having a one-on-one sesh with Dave the bird. And she's like, Dave, man, I like your drip, man. We about to have story time. You need to come fuck with us. And as soon as she opens the fucking cage, Dave is like, deuces. Bye, bitch. <laughs> I holla at y'all, never. And um, are you just, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> like it finally hey, worked. Thank you. thank you, little kid. <laughs> And Michelle's just left with her mouth wide open, just like she just got caught with a bloody knife. <laughs> like OJ with a bloody knife. Like, uh, and, and fucking I, goddamn uh, Sharing King, he's got to open his mouth and just rub it in. Like, hey, teacher, fucking Michelle let Dave out. Like, he wasted no time. 
like the rat Michelle out. And I know this is supposed to be a tearjerker moment. I laughed. The way he op she opened the cage, the way that motherfucker flew out, the close-up cut to her face just like looking pitiful. That shit was funny. And the fact that Aaron's eyes never left Michelle that whole time. Cause he was like, yeah, I know we doing some magic carpet story time shit, but like, I'm keep, hey, like, yo, watch how you handle yo, Dave. Yo, 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 Miss, yo, Miss Teacher Lady, yo. <laughs> it's like he was anticipating that shit. My boy Dave, he's gone. He's fucking gone. And Michelle, I mean, feels awful. And you can tell not only just visually looking at her, she's rocking back and forth going, I'm a very bad girl. I'm a very bad <laughs> girl. Like some Man. kind of weird like Playboy playmate that Hugh Hefner had in the fucking basement locked up someplace. She's traumatized. It, she it, Aaron, and Aaron is merciless. He's like, you damn right. You a very bad girl. God, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically what his little kid had. He's like, you goddamn right you are. Now go in the corner, Miss Lady Teacher. Continue. Yeah, you ain't getting no sympathy from me. Shit. I'm the Miss Dave. For real. I be sharing all my shit. Fucking let my Dave go, bitch. <laughs> and now um, we back at the Tanner house, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, like they're trying to summon Dave back with some white bread. Like <laughs> Dave, they're calling him like it's a fucking kid someplace lost in the woods. Dave ain't coming back. Dave's probably immediately was killed by a cat, Steve. I hate to fucking spoiler alert. What I enjoy, man, is that like these are grown ass men buying into this idea that if this little girl continues throwing bread on the lawn, it's going to return. And like that's what I like about this, like coming out of the 80s. There's still that like innocent, like just throw logic out the window kind of feel, man. Like in reality, the, a grown man be like, shit, I was going to make sandwiches with that shit. What the fuck are you doing? I mean, Joey might be dumb enough to believe this, but I believe in my heart that what was happening is what I would do as a parent is that my kid believes this dumb shit. And I know it's not going to do anything, but let's just do it so she feels better. Because these are good people, Steve. That's what, that's what I, I'm not trying to shit talk what you're saying. I'm just saying, you know, I don't think they believe Dave was. Michelle Cur certainly does. But what I find sad and also very funny is that, you know, um, Danny's like, look, dude, uh, I talked to the teacher. Michelle is like rocking in a corner saying I'm a very bad girl for the rest of the day. Um, she wouldn't even color. She wasn't doing shit. She was like fucking locked up like she was in some sort of like uh, exorcism curse, just yeah. punishing herself mentally over this fucking snafu, really. And to be honest, also, you did everybody a favor because a, a a pet bird is a nightmare. So you're welcome, everybody. And uh, Steph is upstairs gluing DJ's diary shut, but she glues her hand to it in the process. And soon after, DJ walks in uh, and Steph tries to hide her hand. <laughs> like she puts it under a blanket. I was I was touching myself. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because also what I love is like, she's in this bind, so she has to hide it. And now DJ's like, hey, you know how I hate you and we don't really hang out too much? Let's go to the mall together and hang out. And she's like, I would love that, but shit. You know what? I gotta see a guy about a thing. So you go ahead. And then Joey walks in and he's like, hey, Steph, 
you want to go to the all you can eat ice cream buffet it's something else that's awesome sounding and she's like oh my god i want to go to that too let's go i can man you know fuck and and then dj's like man check on my sister joey she being weird weirder than you she got into some fucking jesse's coke again tell him to fucking put that shit away And so Joey's like, man, what's going on, Stephanie, man? You you got this shit with your hand. Like, all right. So he opens up, he picks up the pillow, sees that her hand is stuck. Well, he doesn't know that. He tries to take the diary from her. And he, then he realizes that her hand is glued. So they have a fiasco they have to figure out. But Joey's like, all right, when this is all said and done, you have to come clean and let your sister know that you've been digging in her shit. And then we cut to Michelle's room and she's got this like stuffed parrot toy. And she's like, now go find Dave, go fly away. And she just like throws it off the bed and I'm gonna fucking fly. She's like, Michelle is fucking crushing it, dog. Like it's fucking- she's Trying to summon him, dude. He was, she was trying to fucking put his soul into that bad bird, like stuffed bird. Doesn't work. But then uh, Danny and Joey come in, or Jesse comes in, I think. Somebody, Danny and somebody comes in, and they got a replacement, Dave. They went out to a pet store. I mean, this is a, I mean, I know these people are living in San Fran, and they're rich and whatnot, but I mean, this is a high-ticket thing. I wouldn't even want to do this, but they immediately, they got Michelle's back, so salute to Danny for being stand-up dad, dude. Stand up. How, How much do, like, pet birds cost? I don't know, but way too fucking much because they're annoying. But I mean, that ain't like some little fucking parakeet, I don't think. So, uh, they're awesome. They do this shit. And, uh, you know, you can't let your little daughter. I mean, this is like a soul. They're like, dude, if we don't do this, she's going to be doing porn in like 16 years. So we got to, we got to fucking smooth this over. So this isn't a thing. Cause she's in the corner fucking sucking her thumb writing i'm a very bad girl on the wall in red ink so i don't like where this fucking shit's going and at first she didn't want to ever go back to pre-k she's like man they all hate me this is what happened to to me steve when i went to perrysburg fifth grade first day i was called fat a couple of times i'm wearing my fucking dallas cowboy zubaz i came home miserable i was like fuck ohio fuck this i'm never going back to as a as a record staff and as a crew (laughs) yeah so I get where Michelle's coming from, because I mean, this is like, this, you, I don't really understand, there's nothing worse, unless you just straight, like, somebody brought in, like, that cool Optimus Prime toy, and you, like, instantly snapped his, like, shit off, you know, and I've yeah. seen that happen, and then that kid, it's like, you're a pariah, you're the kid now, so Danny and Jesse, they got the right idea, but she's like, this ain't fucking Dave, this isn't Dave. And they're like, look, I mean, sorry for your fuck up, but we're doing our best here, okay? Jesse's half in the uh, bag. He's shaking. He hasn't had a drink in a couple hours. He's going to fucking drop. And and back in DJ and Stephanie's room, man, Joey finally gets the diary unglued from Stephanie's hand. And, uh, you know, DJ walks in, and he just snatches it off. And now the thing is stuck to his hand and dj fucking snatches it off his hand and then like he still got this fucking gluey shit on his hands uh so there goes his fucking stroke sesh for friday night i mean who knows maybe he's into that but first dj thinks that she's like joey what the fuck are you doing and he's like wait wait, wait, no 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 and then he's like talk to her and stephanie is a g and she's like 
you know, sorry. Um, DJ, it's this is a whole thing. Michelle broke the lock. So we're good here. We were just fixing it so she didn't get in trouble. And fucking Joey's like, um, what the fuck, dude? I'm going to go yeah. fucking make sure I don't fucking get my hand sucked in my dick in a couple hours. But you need to tell her what's up. Shit. Okay. This is my puppet hand too, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. And she she finally comes clean. It's like, look, I, I've been digging through your shit. I've been wanting to dig in your shit because I find you fascinating. Smooth. You go to school with seven teachers. You carry a purse. Your brother is Mikey on Growing Pains. You the bomb. You popping. This is a great. I mean, this Stephanie's gonna be. She should be like a politician because this is the. This is a boss move right here. Deflect. On your toes. Play to their I'm, ego. This is this is five D chess. This is some like next level shit. And then <clears throat> DJ obviously is like, well. <laughs> You worship me. You, you. I fascinate you. Okay, I'll let this. This is fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. That, that felt good. But you know what? It's cool because the really like juicy shit that you would want to know is in my journal, and that's you haven't even. You will never find that. That's top secret. That shit's got some. It's actually illegal in California. It's buried somewhere in Arizona. And back at pre-K. Danny and, and Michelle bring their new bird into the class and, you know, he's like, you know, I, I can stick around still again. It's like, oh, bro, we, I think we good. We, we, we got a new bird. That's going to shut him up. I mean, Danny has to step in and be like, look, I'm going to do a little speech. I'm going to smooth this over. So she has like a little yeah. hype man before she just shows up because uh, Sharon King Aaron or whatever his name is, you don't want that spice. You know, you don't want to get into that no. situation again. Cause that motherfucker's merciless, man. He said, yeah, he gives her like a, a rollout and you know, Michelle, she comes out with the new bird. She's like, yeah, you, you know, I'm sorry. My bad, you know, play us fuck up from time to time. Uh, but we got a new pet though. You check this motherfucker out. And everybody's feeling it. All is forgotten, all is forgiven. Uh, and Aaron, he does have a little bit of that tiny heart pumping because he's like, you know what? You're not bad, Michelle. You, you want to rock my Sharon crown? Here, here you go. I'm, I'm still the king, but you can rock my shit. You my queen. And she's like, I'm, I'm a princess. And I mean, that's that's like a cute gif in and of itself. That's all you need right there. I'm a princess. There, there you go. La, da, da. And I mean, you music. are a princess, goddammit. You are American Both of princess. you. And I mean, Danny you know, is just like, probably, oh my God, Danny is shedding a tear, right? With And honestly, Danny needs to like holler at the teacher too and be like, look, obviously I'm a great dad. Did I turn you on? Am I feeling anything here? You got some nice legs. <laughs> High cheekbones, nice teeth. God damn, what the fuck? Somebody who probably uh, didn't, somebody who probably didn't watch this episode is, uh, Dennis Hopper and Kiefer Sutherland because the film flashback premiered in theaters. At last, the feds have caught him. Infamous 60s radical Huey Walker is heading for jail. So how come it's Huey's uptight FBI escort who ends up behind bars? Directed by Franco Amuri, starring Dennis Hopper, Kiefer Sutherland, Michael McKean, and Ben Roethlisberger. Steve. <laughs> Look, man. I watched this movie last night and the motherfucker... <laughs> I shit you not, it's either Ben Roethlisberger or John Smoltz. They have this, 
jowly thing with their cheeks. And what's the guy? His real name is Richard Masur. And if you look up Richard Masur, he looks like both of those gentlemen, uh, plus some Shia LaBeouf. Uh, and in this movie, him and Michael McKean are like local baseball players who kidnap uh, Dennis Hopper, who's like an escaped convict uh, hippie from back in the day, man. And the, the whole film is asinine. I, I walked into it knowing that. And Dennis Hopper at the same time is what kept this film interesting. Um, apparently, he got arrested in the 60s for plotting to blow up Spiro T. Agnew's car, the vice president at the time. Um, and so he's like top lockdown, whatever the fuck you want to call prison. But it doesn't play out that way because when Kiefer Sutherland, the FBI agent, when he's escorting him to another prison, it's so like free. Like he's just, they're on a train, it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Like they're in the back of a fucking regular Buick. Like what the fuck? They're like the simpleness in, in transporting this man from a prison to another prison. There's like no no prison bus, no chain gang. No, it's just him and Keeper Sutherland. And he just outwits Keeper Sutherland every fucking time throughout this film. And on the train ride, somehow, some way, Dennis Hopper slips some LSD into uh, Keeper Sutherland's drink. Keeper Sutherland loses his shit. And then he becomes unhandcuffed. He unhandcuffs himself somehow, some way. And he, tr and as like, Dennis, as Keeper Sutherland is passed out, he changes clothes. Dennis Hopper puts on the fucking suit, shaves his face. He's not a hippie anymore. And he speaks properly. He's, there's no more, hey man. Uh, so up, man? Keeper, yeah, Keeper Sutherland ends up in jail. And then when he finally comes to the next day, he's like, dude, um, where's the guy I was supposed to transport to prison? Um, I'm I'm actually not just a cop. Why am I locked up? Yeah, like I'm not only a cop. I'm an FBI agent, and like there's a guy just out on the run who's wearing my clothes, and the officers are like, "Oh, dude, yeah, dude, you totally are FBI agent. Hey, man, here, here you go. You're free. Go find that guy." It's, like, it's weird because we thought whenever we put you in jail that the other guy that gave us you looked different than what we remembered you being. So it's a whole thing. I think yeah. somebody gave me LSD earlier. <laughs> Everybody just high on LSD. Hopper's like dosing people. Like fucking Ari Shafir, dude. Like I don't, I've never heard of this movie, but it sounds great, honestly. LSDs it's, in the mix. People are shaving and, and dosing people. This sounds great. Ben Roethlisberger's in it. I Carol don't. Kane. Carol Kane from Cleveland is in it, and that's his love interest. That's like some like, despite the fact that he reconnected with the FBI agent, he put in jail. The FBI, they reconnect, and he finds a love interest along the way. Of course. And it's it's just so far-fetched, man. <sighs> what, was she one of, the, like, the train attendants or something? Like, she was a long-lost... She was a long-lost friend of Keeper Sutherland's, and they reconnected, and she's a hippie. He has hippie background. Uh, it's... It, 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 I felt like I was on LSD watching this. I mean, I come from the description, it sounds like you were, but it just sounds maybe like a convoluted movie that I want to watch. Yeah. So I'm definitely into that. 
sorry my, my retelling oh. of it all yeah it makes me want to watch it more to unravel what you just said unravel the mystery of what you just told me steve but uh, on that same day, 1990, Heart Condition premiered in theaters, directed by James D. Harriet, starring Bob Hoskins, Denzel Washington, and Chloe Webb. A racist cop receives a heart transplant from a black lawyer he hates, who returns as a ghost to ask the cop to help take down the men who murdered him. And um, God, five damn. <laughs> the one part was enough. The next part is, I mean, that's cocaine, Steve. That's cocaine writing right there. His ghost comes back. Yeah, and get this part. Denzel Washington's character, he starts dating Bob Hoskins' character, X. Like, Denzel Washington is getting Bob Hoskins' sloppy seconds in this film. <laughs> so that makes Denzel, uh, Bob Hoskins hate him even more. My other and... guy kind of just looked and sounded like a bulldog that was fucking me. So this is really nice to have. This is a nice change, Denzel. Listen, love. Let me put me dick in <laughs> It would have been great seeing Bob Hoskins do a Denzel impersonation. All Dude, there is a by, great episode. Like, this is kind of weird and sort yeah. of semi to this where Frazier has an episode where he, his, he has PTSD from his uh, gym teacher at school. And his gym teacher is played by Bob Hoskins. But what happens is he starts dating a gym teacher who's this hot chick. But she's mean to some kids and he sees this. And as soon as he sees it, he starts picturing Bob Hoskins when his girlfriend's talking to him in bed, uh, when they're out on a date, when they see each other. So it's literally him getting a massage in the tub with Bob Hoskins with a stogie in his mouth. Like, what's wrong, Frazier? Like, it's really bizarre. Which is a complete sidetrack, Sally, but this movie sounds insane. And yeah. um, again, I, I'm sad I didn't watch it. It's available on YouTube. I started to watch it and then I decided to not watch it. But uh, it's been described as Ghost Meets the Odd Couple. Um, and it's, it's funny that like, this is the third film in 1990 to have a black lead in a ghost movie. There was this movie, Heart Condition, there was Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg, and then Ghost Dad with America's favorite TV dad at the time. <laughs> oh, it's Rudy. Um, they can't see me if I'm in the closet watching them shower and I'm busy about them. The barbiturates. I'm a Ghost Dad. That movie sucks, by the way. Ghost Dad sucks. It does. Ghost did not. Out of those three, I would select Ghost, but this is yeah. telling me something about America at the time. Uh, American producers are like, hey, let's think of another ghost concept and put a black name on it. Hmm. These black people are really in tune with spirituality in the spirit realm, so let's really dig into <laughs> Get me Whoopi Goldberg! But I feel like she'll, that's a, that's a, a testament to this other movie with Bob Hoskins that you're talking about, that it's better than a Bill Cosby-led vehicle that came out around the same time. Because Ghost Dad probably had heaps of money thrown at it, heaping pile of shit. But Bob Hoskins yeah. probably coming off... When did uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit come out? Because pretty 88. close. Pretty close. Bob Hoskins put some respect on that name rest in peace legend 
and he had a lot of cool roles that were like thug roles in British movies and where he played like a British thug so and, and this was Denzel's first movie after he won the Oscar for Glory so Glory's dope never seen this but gonna watch it because he's gonna interact with a dead Bob Hoskins or he's dead I don't know something's going on he's dead. dead people yeah Denzel died and he goes into Bob Hoskins' pause. But on that same day, uh, a man called Sarge premieres in theaters. The French Foreign Legion will never be the same after the uproarious World War II exploits of Sergeant Duke Roscoe and his band of military misfits. It's a hilarious war movie that will leave you shell shocked with laughter. 4.4 on the M dubs. Directed by Stuart Giller, starring Gary Kroger, Jennifer Runyon, Mark Singer, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, Don LaFontaine's in it. That's pretty fucking cool. I mean, I, nothing about this sounds like. How did it even get to the point where they put a camera someplace to film some shit? French Foreign Legion? I'm good. I'm done. We're good. Unless it's that movie with Jean Claude Van Damme where he's in it. I don't remember what that was. Legionnaire or some shit? We're good. Gary Kroger is the star of this movie, and. I only know Gary Kroger as being the in SNL during the Eddie years, the white guy that wasn't Joe Piscopo. Eddie Kroger? Gary Kroger. Yeah, Gary he was Kroger? there when uh, when uh, was it Julia Louis Dreyfus? She was there at the time. But in this film, it, there's a young Natasha Leone. So shout out to that. She's a boss. Hell yeah, she was definitely one of my little. One of those 90s hotties. She was in that mix. Fucking Russian doll. She was in some hot movie with uh, Woody Harrelson there. I can't even remember what it was, What it was, but just something where she was very sexual in it. And that's all I remember. That and Woody Harrelson. Doesn't sound like it mixes, but there's something going on there. Nothing. Yeah, it's... Oh my God. Is this like French comedy? Is this a no, it's American. Okay, we don't need. No one asked for this. Nobody needs this. No, not at all. Uh, but on that same day in 1990, Men Don't Leave premiered theaters. Jessica Lange plays Beth in this warm-hearted, funny fable about staying together when all else is falling apart. Directed by Paul Brickman, starring Jessica Lange, Arliss Howard, Joan Cusack, Kathy Bates, and Holy Hot Pants Batman Chris O'Donnell. Man, 1990 was putting out some uh, some really experimental stuff here, Steve. I don't know if the experiments were working out too well. Chris O'Donnell, dude. Well, how did he get through the, to the Hollywood elite? He's Robin. He made it from this to Robin. How did that fucking happen? I don't get it. Houseway. But I fucks with some Kathy Bates, though. I fucks with some Jessica Langs. Um... Uh. Who the fuck names their kid Arliss? That that will always bother me uh, to the nth degree. The guy that HBO mm. show was based off of? Uh, is it? No, <laughs> this is a different Arliss. But I, by the way, men do leave. Just ask my dad. Oh my God, Steve! Steve, you're a princess. You're a but princess. in 1993. Above the Law released their second studio album, Black Mafia Life, and their breakout track was VSOP. Now, Above the Law, they were a Cali group 
and they were signed to Ruthless Records. And it's not available on Spotify, uh, I believe, because of conflicts with Dr. Dre. Um, I, I guess he had just left Ruthless to join Death Row around this time. And this album is it was recorded in 91, but pushed back uh, to 93 because of legal issues even going back then. And uh, this is considered to be the blueprint of the G-Funk era. So it's influential in that regard. Um, I listened to it a little bit before we recorded today, and it still stands, man. I'll have to check that shit out. Uh, if it means anything, Rolling Stone gave it 4.5 out of 5. It does mean something to Rolling Stone. And also in 93, Brand Nubian releases their second album, In God We Trust. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Brand Nubian, but it's uh, Sadat X, Grand Puba, Lord Jamar, and they are the epitome of boom bap rap. Uh, every song, it's it's very early 90s, and it's not a bad thing because if, if you're looking for something that takes you back to that time, this fits the bill. And I think you might recognize Grand Puba from those early Sprite commercials when they started implementing hip hop into Sprite with their brand and all of that in the mid 90s. And they started featuring some other members of Brand Nubian. But um, there was a lot of militant, like black militant uh, lyricism in this man. And um, I think that is what shot them in the foot because America wasn't fully ready for this. Uh, yes, we had Public Enemy, but they are like talking about like uh, specific things um, that like, yeah, the, the casual uh, suburban hip hop fan probably wouldn't want to hear that as they're uh, getting ready for school. Um, I didn't I didn't listen to them a lot, but I definitely clocked the name. I always thought it was just a cool ass name. You brand know. newbie it's just like it's like and they were they i they had some features on maybe like some movie soundtracks and i think i remember like sadat x specifically being like a feature on some somebody i listened to's album or maybe he had his he own like, uh like solo shit uh probably through jordan as most of the music that you wouldn't expect me to listen to uh is but no nah, man i i didn't listen to it but uh yeah I don't think the 90s America was, like you said, some of the shit, it just was still too soon, which is weird to think now where we're at. But yeah. Yeah. And, Those uh, Cleveland also, moms didn't want their kids listening to Brand Newbie, and that's, you know, all the time. Listen to some Bone instead. And uh, also in 93, Joey Lawrence releases his debut album, Joey Lawrence. And um, I listened to this a little bit, man, and I got to say, Matt, I was kind of impressed, man. Like the dude kind of has some chops. It's very uh, boy bandish, and there's some new Jack. I, I like the production. I think that's what kept me locked in, man. The production is done very well. They obviously put a lot of money behind it. Dave Kaz uh, with the saxophone, he's he's a notable name in the jazz world, man, and he contributed to this album. Um, so they really wanted to make this dude like a, a breakout star, and. I think what did it in for him was playing Joey in Blossom it, it, because it's like it's hard to like turn that switch and be like this is the same no I can't take you serious because you're the doofus on Monday nights hey, whoa whoa <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, they try it. But I mean, you gotta, there's, this is a hard thing to do. There's only been a few actors, actresses that successfully got into music at all. And I mean, even like an Eddie Murphy, I don't think anybody would say his songs are like that. I just want a party song is great. That shit goes hard. Hell yeah. I mean, but that's Rick James produced, you know, he didn't have like a level of that going for Joey Lawrence, but he was getting it. And I also, this is, I forget who was talking about this, but it was somebody who was on news radio. I think it was Dave Foley. I was talking about in uh, like on a podcast that they used to shoot news radio, like next to the studio where they shot blossom, like on the lot. And uh, he's like, yeah, one time we went outside to like smoke a cigarette or something. And all we could hear is Joey Lawrence's song blaring out of this red um, convertible that was like parked outside Blossom's whatever, like movie studio thing. And uh, he's like, we look over and it's Joey Lawrence listening to his own song with this hot ass chick in the car. Just living the life, Steve. Whoa. Hey, man. But There's if you got an album, Steve, and you're an actor, I mean, L.A. is just, you might as well just fucking get uh, all the plan, get like a Costco size amount of plan B and just get the work, basically. Yeah, man. You got to check that out, man. It's it's not bad. I, I'm not going to check it out, but. <laughs> it, it's got Marky Mark vibes. I guess I have a, a more open mind when it comes to music, but. You do. I'll live with it. Uh, but in 1995, February 2nd, My Brother and Me, apparently, is airing their final episode, The Big Bully. And Dee Dee gets beat up at school by a fourth grader named Big Lou. Dee Dee asks Alfie to teach him how to fight. But when that seems hopeless, Goo teaches him how to bluff. That's really what life's all about, Steve, is that bluff. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to actually get them hands thrown. But uh, before we get into the episode... This is a show, I thought there were more episodes of this show. I don't know if there were more than what I saw on Amazon Prime when I I had to purchase this to watch it, but I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, Steve. Okay. I want if the you... people to get some that made this shit. I have enough to pay $3 to watch some shit. I'm fine with it. But I thought there was like maybe a couple seasons. Like you said, 13 episodes, done. And I remember this like it was like one of the main shows I watched on Nickelodeon for a while, like Goo, yeah. the Kendall Gill episode, like that. I'm mean, what's going on here? Cool Doctor Money and the Money Girls. Oh, like, dude, I forgot about Cool Doctor. I wanted the money symbol, Steve. I almost got that shaved in the side of my head. My mom wouldn't allow it. Alfie, can you teach me how to dance? We still like that's. If you know, you know. It's one of those, man. We're putting that on the shirt, Steve. I'm just going to put Alfie, can you teach me how to dance? We got to spell dance in a weird way, but. Totally, man. I'm for it. Shout out to fucking whoever made this, though. This is a great, this is great. We want to talk about good, just like, this is just like squeaky clean shit, Steve. And it's great. Slice of life in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, the, the people who put it together are the people who ended it at the same time because there, there were discussions being had about where what direction they should go for second season. And everybody just disagreed. They disagreed to the point where it's like, yeah, fuck it. They just basically like flipped over the Monopoly board. 
Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you had, like, this could have gone for a while, but yeah. regardless, it's a great show. They had some great shit in here. And this one is another, I, I didn't, rem- I remember the Kendall Gill one specifically. Like, that seems to be the one that always sticks out in the Cool Doctor Money one. But this one set off, like, some some memory bombs in my head when I was watching it. Specific- specifically when they get to, like, the uh, calling the chick part of it. Because I definitely remembered that scene. It set, and it might have just set off like bad memories of my childhood. But. And we start the episode off. They're in school, and Goo walks in and saying he's in love. And Alvy's like, "Look, man, for the last time, my sister Melanie is not fucking with you, bro. Like she don't like it." I mean, Goo's—he wants Melanie, and I get it. She's, she's fine. fine, but. She's just not feeling it. She doesn't want the goo punch yet. She's going to eventually. It's going to wear her down. Eventually. I can feel it. But Goo's like, look, dude, fuck fuck Melanie. That's old news. This is elementary school, dude. This is middle school. I don't... One day to the next, it could be different. And speaking of which, there's these two sisters that just moved in looking tasty. And I think they're from Atlanta, Steve. I think they're from your stomping grounds. Oh, is that what they said? (laughs) I think so. They're couple of little new chicks from uh out of town and you know being the new kid sucks when you're a fat kid but when you're like two i guess hot uh girls um life's your fucking oyster here you're coming into a good sitch and goo is ready to pounce toya and trisha and as they're talking about that the overbearing teacher walks in and he's just extra i don't like this fucking teacher you are just doing the absolute most you're walking around snooping around like stephanie tanner like yeah motherfucker i'm writing notes to this chick i like what the fuck i'm still studying you see i got my book out get the fuck out of here see but i like what happens here because this guy's all up in everybody's business goose passing a note he's like yo dude pass this note alfie passes it yada yada it makes it over to who i think is toya i think her name is and uh one of the sisters she gets the note smiles looks over and he's like damn i think she's feeling you goo and goo's like well i actually put i signed your name now he's like what dude what the fuck okay yeah, let's see how it rolls. <laughs> but at to my point i keep fucking hitting this goddamn thing steve fuck sorry macho man um to uh, my point this teacher's like a uh, gentleman because the girl passes a note back and Alfie, you know, sees it. What he, he sees it, like I said. And the guy's like, hey, read the note aloud. I love that move as a, a teacher in class. Read the note aloud. You want me to read this shit out loud, dude? It says uh-huh. you're a cunt on it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but you're Alfie reads dummy. it. And really all it is is just a fucking uh, explanation to his player status, dude. He's like, yeah, uh, uh, do you like me? Yes up Toya in front of the class and even the teacher he can't do anything he's like all right Tim sit down yeah, I'm a miserable teacher yeah the note said that she thinks Alfie is cute too and he's like oh shit bet. it's all in the pocket boss and uh, move, so dude. we go you look like a ball that's like that's like a memory you're gonna have for a long time Alfie enjoy that your moment in the sun yeah and uh, they go back to the house and Goo, he's trying to make the passes at Melanie as usual, and she puts him down. Alfie's like, man, why are you always dissing my old boy? Man, I never play your your friends like that. And she's like, really? Well, what about Dion? And Goo's like, that's different. Dion is a social misfit. 
<laughs> I don't know who Dion is, but it was so the delivery was fucking top notch. Uh, Goo, this is like Michelle's episode was that episode of Full House. This is Goo's episode because he has a couple moments in here where I was dying laughing. My kid kills me. Um, yeah. So yeah, Melanie's all up in her feelings. Uh, Alfie's mom shows up and uh, takes Melanie out. And Goo says that you know, he, first he's like, "Dude, it's crazy. Your sister's so into me, and she just won't admit it yet. It's yeah, kind of it's crazy. Time. You might want to talk to somebody about that." Um, but uh, then Dee Dee walks in with his little squad, which this squad, Steve, uh, it's Darnell, and I don't, I keep all I have, I don't Harry. know what the white kids, what is his name? Darnell and Harry. Harry. Okay, I was calling him Goofy White on my uh, note sheet, uh, but Dee Dee comes in, and Dee Dee's, I mean, he looks like a bag of shit, Steve. He's dirty as fuck. He's all beat to shit. I think his somebody ripped his fucking shirt open like he got fucking clawed at. Shit. Maybe that's where Kanye got his fashion advice from or his ideas. The DD special, yeah. But he's looking shitty. And Alfie and Goo are like, what the fuck happened to you, dude? And Darnell spills the beans. He's like, he got beat up by Big Lou. DD's like, man, I told like man, I don't want to talk about it. Darnell's like shit. You not? I'm talking about it. <laughs> Dee's friends ain't shit, as we'll find out. And so Darnell and Harry leave, and he asks his big bro, like Alfie, teach me the box, please. So and he says like starts- some stage like shit too, because he's like, man, I just don't want to run forever, dude. I was like, damn, this is some like fucking adult shit he's dealing with. Rich. It's real but, shit, though. It, but Alfie's like, okay, dude, I'm going to teach you how to fight, so let me see what you got. And DD has nothing, Steve. George Foreman, he is not. He didn't even know what a jab was. And Goo was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so Goo is clown. He's I, Most of this episode, Goo's just laughing in the background for some reason, which is great. But Goo's like, look, dude. You ain't gonna teach this little fucking bitch how to fight in a day, okay? So, uh, DD, you need to learn what I know, which is how to bluff these dudes. So now, this—I love this advice. This is the this is advice to get a dude killed, Steve. They're like, look, this is what you do. You, this guy, Big Lou, comes running up on you. You get right up in his face, drop your hands, cause you ain't afraid of shit. Start saying, hit me, hit me, motherfucker. <laughs> like, that's their advice. And they're like, because he ain't going to do nothing. He ain't about shit. And that's all you got to do. You're going to punk him. And then the you're done. Yeah. It's, the world, it's over with at this point. He's going to walk away and just go shit in a corner someplace. Okay. They're not going to walk smoke. You used to be, so, you're supposed to be so tough. Hit me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He is not, he part. has no fierce face. He can't be tough. He's a sweet boy. He's like little magnetic, Steve. He doesn't want to hit anybody. He just wants to be friends. We don't believe you. You need more people. Hey. So the next day, they cut the cl- hey, they're in the playground again, and they're playing with Darnell's basic ass airplane that they're just ooing all about. Oh my god! Harry's like, yeah, my dad helped me make a model airplane, but we were missing pieces. We always missing pieces. Like, uh, and Harry is always like the the alerter. It's like, look, man, you might want to get out of Dodge, player. 
uh, Big Lou, she around the corner. Why is Big Lou not fucking and, with their dumbass? Like, like man, Big Lou just has a hard on for goddamn Dini, dude. He's like, look, you know, it's like three o'clock. Big Lou always shows up at three o one, dude. You need to bust. You need to get out of here. But Dini's like, nah, dude. I got this advice. I, I trained with the master, dude. Fuck that. Didi, the yeah, Didi my and brother and Goo got me together. Watch, watch this uh, shit. I mean, he oh, listened to the advice, this. Steve. He definitely listened to all the advice because he he does it. Big Lou, we don't. And what I love is we don't see what Big Lou looks like. It's just POV. It's just like you see somebody shamble yeah, up, and Didi's like, "Oh, no, what the from... fuck? Fuck you." Not what he says, but in his and, sweet boy way, he does that. And then we cut, don't we? We don't see him get hit. Yeah, we're back at the kitchen. It, uh, and it's basically Goo and Alfie mulling over whether or not Alfie should call. Goo's telling him to call. She digging you, dog. Call the number. Why you acting like a bitch? So he finally gives in, calls the number, and Toya answers. And he's just like, er, uh, er, uh. Yeah, but dude, how stressful was that when you were a teenage kid? I remember the first time I called a chick I liked, and it was like, I'm gonna, I might have a heart attack. I might, my fat ass might have had a heart attack, but it was stressful. How do Alfie I sound normal? He's a big dick Don't dude. He's like, dude, this ain't shit ain't shit. It's fine. I Like, to me, though, he had, he knew she liked him, so I would be cool with it. I'd be like, yeah, let me get, let me call real quick. Um, Toya, you checked that box, bitch, so let's go hang out. What was that little game? The little... I don't know. The flip-up game? Yeah, the little... Girls all knew that. That was like a girl skill. It's like, you know, boys didn't figure that out. You always had a cool chick make that shit, you know, for whatever reason. But, uh, so, Dee Dee comes in, uh... Goo and Alfie are doing this thing on the phone. It doesn't work out. It gets put on pause because Dee Dee walks in and he looks literally like he was drugged through a pile of shit. He is covered in dirt. Alfie and Goo just instantly start laughing, which made me start laughing. It was hilarious. Like fucking pig bin. And Dee Dee, like, I'm like, dude, what the fuck happened to you? It's like, dude, I took your advice. You said you did, all right. You you acted tough, you looked tough, you were walking tough, but you just out saying hit me. So what happened? I got hit. They hit me. <laughs> and Goo oh. just is having a fucking roll. And immediately, like anybody does, when somebody like, you know, like a big brother would, I assume, or a friend, uh, Alfie's like, alright, dude. One, I don't want to get in trouble. So we got to do some laundry and make sure mom and dad don't see that you just got drugged through a pile of dog shit and got beat the fuck up. So let me put this shit in the laundry. I'm a little kid. I don't know how to do laundry. So let me just, you know, we'll, let's roll with this. Um, and then Alfie, you know, that happens and it just clock that. They're making some sandwiches. And one thing I clocked from this point is that Dee Dee's making a peanut butter and jelly and ketchup sandwich, which um, maybe the Big Lou hits have taken some, like, caused some brain damage, maybe? Disgusting. Disgusting, Steve. I'm not, this is, something's wrong with this kid. And, and while they're doing that, Roger, the dad, he walks in, and as they're talking, the soap is coming through to the kitchen floor 
and it over flooded the washer basically and they're like man your mom is almost coming home so we got to get this taken care of like now so they speed wash the kitchen and by the time their mom pops up uh, there's no trace no face no case and she goes to kiss the dad he's like you smell like laundry dad's like that's a good thing right guys hiding a body or something i mean honestly you just got a free like stanley steamer job because these kids fucked up i mean your whole your house's floors or at least that area is picking span so credit to those guys i it looked like you may have destroyed the house from what i saw but you know they got it done they hid it, the evidence and um so now dd we're cutting to the playground again now I mean, he really has no cares in the world because his brother Alfie's got his back. So, yeah. you know, fuck Big Lou at this point. And like you said, Harry's like, again, like clockwork. He's like, hey, Alfie or uh, Didi, you might want to fucking roll, dude. Because remember what happened the last two days? Maybe you don't because you got your head fucked up. But uh, Big Lou's coming. So and Alf- or Didi's like, what? Alfie's going to be here, but he's not there yet. You know, it seems like it's almost like, is he going to show up thing where he might be leaving them hanging? But they eventually do show up, Alfie and Goo. And Alfie first, he wants to know, like, look, man, y'all supposed to be his homies. Why ain't any of y'all step up, Big Lou? And Darnell's like, Big Lou? Psh, man, you tripping. That's my dog, man. but shit. You talking about Big Lou, motherfucker? Yeah, and um, then Big Lou shows up. And we're expecting... You know, a, maybe The Rock, somebody, you know, of that stature. Uh, but Big Lou is a, uh, a just a tomboy chick, Steve. Big Lou is Luis, or I don't know what her actual name is. I didn't clock that. Um, and she's terrorizing uh, Dee Dee. They're like, dude, what? Big Lou's a girl. They're shocked. They're like, you getting fucking beat up by a chick, dude? The fuck? So this gives Goo another reason to blow up in Didi's face. Yeah. Pause. And you know, he but now that Alfie knows that it's a girl beating up his little brother, he doesn't want to fight a girl. That's not his thing. That's not his forte. That's not player. He's like, look, I'm not gonna fight you, little girl, but I will say you gotta leave my little bro alone. There's somebody gonna be beating his ass, it's gonna be my parents or me. And she's like, fuck you, dude. If you don't want to fucking back off, I'm just going to call my big sisters to come over here and fuck both everybody up. Alfie fucking and Goo like, this shit. They ain't scared of no girls. If we got to throw down, shit, that's what it's going to have to be. Yeah, sorry. Let's go. Who's it? Who is it? But then Trisha and Toya, those two new chicks show up. Fucking like demolition, Steve. And they're cracking knuckles and necks and they're like, Ba- they back fucking everybody into a corner. Goo's like, what's that? And just fucking bust out. <laughs> he fucking he fat run at all. He fucking Barry Sanders his way out of there. He's like, bye. Circle button. And <laughs> but what I we love is to- this. Like, can Alfie not just be like, uh, Toya, what's up? Like, this is all misunderstanding, I think. Yeah. Let's figure this out. <laughs> Yeah, remember that. I note? play basketball. You know what I'm saying? You like, you like, you like hoopers. <laughs> oh you shit! Tall as hell. Your your girl, your sister, tall as hell. So you know, watch out, watch for that link. But they get backed into a corner, 
I think we cut then, and I mean, Goo basically, I, at this point, you, it is what it is. I guess you're going to keep hanging out with Goo, but he is not to be depended on, Steve. No, in, in, in a lot of ways. And <laughs> we're back at the house, man, and Roger, the dad, he's making his famous mumbo jumbo gumbo that his dad taught him. And the family's ready to eat. Melanie's there, the mom and dad's there, food's ready, and uh, they're just waiting on Alfie and Didi. And soon enough, they arrive and they're both covered in mud. Yeah, they're looking like Rikishi's DVDs, Steve. Just soiled. Nasty. I mean, what are these chicks doing? Drag beating your ass and dragging you on the ground? I mean, goddamn, like just run away at that point. Hey uh, man. But they gotta nurse those wounds, Steve. So they gotta get cleaned up. That gumbo, it's gotta, you know, it's gonna marinate anyway. Let that shit bubble. Let that shit get good. I wouldn't mind trying a little bit of it. I like gumbo. Some Zatarans. <laughs> Zatarans. Uh, but Alfie and Dee, Dee they get all cleaned up. They get into their PJs, like they're full on. Like I love these like sitcom pajamas kids wear. I was yes. in fucking tidy whiteies going to bed. These kids got a whole matching ensemble. Um, and Dee Dee's like looking at Alfie like, you know what? Thanks, man. But uh, one thing, that Toya chick definitely wants to smash. And Dee Alfie's like, really? What? Nah. 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 Man, and being the pre-adolescent that he is, I remember being this person. Like, nah, man, what you, you don't even know nothing about girls. Man, I don't even like her anyway. She's stupid. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here real quick near the phone, but go get some dinner. I'll be I'll be over there soon. I'm not gonna fuck with this phone though. So Dee Dee yeah. leaves. Alfie sits down, and I mean, like a baller should, just lays back, calls fucking toy up, and is like, put the feet up, girl. What's up? So who knows what happens there? Maybe that's why they had to stop because you know the rest of this is just a love story at this point. They couldn't agree on that, Steve. And I did not know. None of us knew at the time. Bravo, y'all know, man, that this was it. I I mean, who? That's what I hate about any when you get these shows that just get canceled. And you're not. Nobody was telling kids they were canceling shows or anything, but. Yeah, disappointing. A couple other memorable things. I mean, there's no lyrics, but that the little like ba ba bum 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 ba ba bum bum bum. Just, I mean, it's a hot beat, Steve. I don't need lyrics. The instrumental's enough. And Goo, I mean, Goo, say what you will. He might not be somebody to depend on in a fight, but that Goo punch, you know, that little like. Uh, shade he throws on all the proceedings. I love me some goo. So, yeah, and don't... Melanie, she can definitely get it. And I think Steve, Melanie has a friend. I, this is just I'm re- remembering this. I'm sorry. She has like a really annoying friend that talks about dating a kid in this. And I'm almost a hundred percent that that girl is actually a girl who basically plays the same character on the show Insecure. That. Yeah, that's Dion. Okay, that's that's Dion, and uh, her name is Amanda Seals, and that that's who she is. I've I've seen interviews with her on Breakfast Club. I've I've used to follow her on Instagram. She even has a stand up special on HBO Max, um, and it's not funny. It's very uh, aggressive. Men ain't shit. Men ain't ain't shit. Yeah, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Amanda Seals, but I did have a crush on her and Melanie in the 90s when they were Dion oh, yeah. and Melanie. Um, so, yeah, you are correct. And um, 
Shout I mean, out to who, So there was like a sport, like a, I mean, it wasn't a juice bar, right? But where they got the shit for Kendall Gill in that episode, that was Jack A. That was, she was in this show. That wasn't Jack A, was it? That was Auntie Sugar from Next Friday. It was a comic book store. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, Auntie Sugar. Ooh, you Kim got a fat Whitley. ass. That's uh, Kim Whitley, who's also from Cleveland. Go, Ohio. Hell and, yeah, uh, dude. Give your Auntie Sugar some. <laughs> she gets real nasty in here. Like, I know you've gone to those conventions of, like, 90s and nickelodeon they need to have some kind of presence like never the real ones it. ain't forgot never i mean i and again i'm like you i mean i this was really one of my favorite nickelodeon shows just, you know just like pete and pete where there isn't a that had more of a, a breadth of episodes but this it, it's an unsung lost one and uh, i agree i mean I, i've never seen those people there you know, especially like even you'd think like Goo, you know, Goo for sure. Because I mean, new, memorable name, easy to remember. So maybe, dude, let's reach out. Maybe we can get Goo on fucking happened in the 90s. Oh my God, that'd be awesome, Goo. man. And, uh, okay, that's a new mission right there. Let's figure that out. And it, I, I believe it was the first all black cast on a Nickelodeon show. This was before uh, Keenan and Kale, before all that and my cousin skeeter and all that other shit man so uh just can't couldn't get enough of it we want more damn it uh and somebody who probably didn't watch this last episode of my brother and me is probably english french actor donald pleasance born in 1919 he is most known well to me people in my generation as the guy in halloween oh yeah the uh the cop or whatever he, he was the detective or yeah officer something yeah, I think I, that's pretty much what I remember. Maybe it was in like a, an Exorcist sequel too, or, or something. But this dude's a badass. Yeah, he has a storied career. He even fought in World War II, and uh, he died at the age of 75 in Saint Paul de Vence, France, from complications of heart failure following heart valve replacement surgery. His body was cremated. Okay, so we're not gonna get to dig him up, but shout out Donald Pleasance. He, he fought the world's one of the most evil people in the world, Steve. So hopefully he's resting in peace right now. It's totally, man. Uh, Bankhead bounce for Donald. And uh, that following year, 96, Black Sheep premiered in theaters. A gubernatorial candidate hires a warmy special assistant whose only job is to make sure the candidate's well-meaning but incompetent brother doesn't ruin the election. Directed by Penelope Spears, starring Chris Farley, David Spade, Tim Matheson, Christine Ebersol, and Gary Busey. So good. Tommy Boy. One, Tom, yeah, dude. It's ridiculous, but man, there are moments. And Gary Busey kills it. Uh... <laughs> He has this one line because he's just like a weird, like whacked out war vet in this town. And David Spade almost hits him with a car. And uh, he, <laughs> Gary Busey just looks in the window. He's like, I can go to your mama's house and start a small fire in her panties. <laughs> you can get out of the car right now. I was like, what a great line oh. this is. <laughs> okay. I, it's not horrible. It's and just... they're like the whole bat thing where they're in the cabin and he's like, ah, what is that? It's Ozzy Osbourne. Oh. They fight like a bat in the cabin. There's, 
you gotta watch this again, Steve. It's on HBO Max. It's great. I, I do need to. It ha it has its moments. I, but I, I watched Tommy Boy in the theater, and I didn't see this. I, I feel like I, I selected the right one to see if I had to pick. No, I mean um, Tommy Boy is the better movie, but this is basically the same formula. David Spade playing a guy, a smarmy dickhead. Tommy Boy is, or uh, Chris Farley's a buffoon. They get together. It's amazing. And in this case, uh, at one point he goes like, there's an MTV Rock the B Vote thing that they go, like they hijack. And uh, he gets on stage and just gives this insane like speech about loving peanut butter cups. And then he says, kill Whitey at one point. I mean, it's fucking fantastic. Now, you do know this movie is the movie that like broke his sobriety after a year and a half after watching it in uh that sucks i wish that wasn't yeah. the, but i mean it was gonna happen anyway at least he made a this was a great movie i, I you know what i hate steve and i do this all the time i want to start talking about my hero i don't want to remember the shitty thing anymore like he's dead so yeah. the drug thing that blows but this movie doesn't and also another great memorable moment they get high on nitrous oxide in a stolen cop car and just start going roads is a weird word roads <laughs> i did roads dude yeah you're, you're bringing them back man i and yeah i gotta watch it again at the beginning of that there, he's like going crazy and then he snapped chris farley snaps out of him and goes i'm high right now <laughs> Oh, and I always used to do that when we were in the car smoking at Broadfield. I remember. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, shout out Black Sheep. Watch it. It's awesome. Fuck the haters. Man. All right, Pete Farley. And uh, that same day in 96, the juror premiered in theaters. A juror in a mafia trial is forced to convince the other jurors to vote not guilty by an obsessive mob enforcer. Directed by Brian Gibson, starring Demi Moore, Alec Baldwin, James Gandolfini, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Guess which one is the mobster? You know, I honestly thought this was a Polly Shore movie, not this. So, um, maybe this is a good movie, Steve. Sorry for the thumbs down during the description. Uh, it, it might James be. Does James Gandolfini because... play like a priest in the movie? I'm assuming. Or... Uh, man, and maybe I, I thought he played the ice cream truck driver. Uh, 5.7 on the M Dubs, if that tells you anything. Uh, it tells well, me what I expected. You know, they tried. Uh, they had a lot. Somebody... They had a lot of play. They had a lot of like players though in the '90s. So maybe there was some like there was a chance here, but I guess it just didn't line up. Well. If it means anything, they say that this film is responsible for opening doors for Anne Hesh. She was in this film and, you know, Anne Hesh, I, I wasn't huge on her films or whatever. But after this, she went on to star in movies with other like blockbuster stars. Yeah, she was in a movie with Harrison Ford where it was like they were lost yeah. on an island or, you know, she's... <clears throat> she was in a couple of cool dramas. There was, I think she was in a movie where they get like like somehow like tangled in some sort of like drug thing and they get locked up they're like americans that get locked up in like an asian prison i think it's called broke down palace and it's like a really fucked up movie also she was into nudity and as somebody a perverted kid in the 90s definitely checked out some asian or some Anne Hache. Ooh, uh, what titty? yeah exactly wasn't she uh, married to like somebody f like famous too? That like, was Ellen's chick. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, we 
when she came out, like Anne Heche was like her her public boo at the time. And um, I don't know, but uh, Anne Heche, man, R.I.P. to her as well. Wait, um, Anne Heche but, is dead? Yeah, she died last year, man. And it, it was crazy how she died because there was a crazy, uh, like she got in a car accident and ran out of the car and started knocking on people's doors, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's kind of like the chick from Superman. She got she had one of those spells. Oh shit! And yeah, because of her injuries, I think that's how she died from the injuries of the accident. Damn, I must have just blocked that out. But damn, rest in peace, Anne Hayes. That fucking blows. Oh. Yeah, 2022 took a lot from us, man. Damn. Uh, also in '96, though, White Squall premiered in theaters. And teenage boys discover discipline and camaraderie on an ill-fated sailing voyage. 6.6 from the M-dubs, directed by Ridley Scott. Yes, that Ridley Scott. Starring Jeff Bridges, Caroline Goodall, John Savage, Jeremy Sisto, Scott Wolf, and Ryan Phillippe. And this is one of the fucking promotional posters of this film. Yeah, uh, that weird. It's supposed to be very weird. It looks very... Uh, Chippendales. You know, and I hate to go off the back of this, pause, but I saw this a lot as a kid. I, in school, they showed it, really? and my parents really? watched it. I'm telling, dude, I don't know why, but this is basically the gist of this movie. And I'll tell you the reason I remember it specifically, uh, but it's like a school on a ship. And these, it's, this is like a dead poet society thing with all these boys on a ship and whatnot. They're learning man lessons with from uh, Jeff Bridges, who looks, he's like, you know, very young. Like I was, look at him. It's not the Jeff Bridges we know. It ain't the fucking dude. Uh, but the only thing I really remember from this is at one point, I think they club a whale to death or like some, something. There's like a seal. Like they kill an animal and it's graphic. Oh. I don't remember why, but it happens. And you know, this is one of those movies. I hate movies that take place on a boat because it gets boring at a certain point. You know, there's a lot of like long distance shots of like beautiful waterscapes and stuff, and it looks great. But unless you want to watch two and a half hours of like young boys on a ship, I'm really not. And wife it. beaters. Yeah, this is like a Kevin something he jacked off to at night. But Kevin Spacey was into this. But me and Steve, I watched it a lot for some reason, but. I don't know why. Was it, was it as punishment? Like he, like the parents sent you to you the know, room. Watch like White Squall. It's like when I, you just get to, you have to watch movies with your parents sometimes, like I did, and like so there would be this. But every, you know, then we'd go see Men in Black, or we'd go see an Air Force One or something. But then you'd have to go see this, or Fried Green Tomatoes, or fucking Tu Wong Fu for some reason you know my parents had weird fucking like movies that they would take me to and i talked yeah. to kendra or something else i realized that it's just weird to me they let me as a kid like they wouldn't let me watch rated r movies they wouldn't let me see violence when i was a young kid but for some reason they let me see the movie pretty woman and i know it's a tame movie but there are scenes in that where uh She's about to blow him. She's half naked. She's a hooker. She's a hooker. <laughs> like, Streetwalker. I know it's a Disney movie, but she's a hooker. So I'm just saying, questioning my parents' parenting, I guess, in a way. Uh, but I did see this a lot. And again, I love Jeff Bridges. I even like Ryan Phillippe a lot. 
I'm Jeremy Sisto. I can tolerate him. Scott, whatever is fuck Scott. Scott Wolf. Fuck him. Uh, and fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck it with a fucking huge brush. Uh, like, like Scott Wolf. Man, Scott Wolf was 27 playing a 15 year old. I mean, he looks like he's 12 in that fucking photo. I mean, what the fuck? I, credit to him. But now what is he? Look? He probably looks the same. And it's weird because he's like 50. Maybe he has that Gary Coleman thing. Uh, but somebody who probably didn't watch White Skull, Jur, or Black Sheep is probably American actor, singer, dancer, and director Gene Kelly, born in 1912. Tap and, dancing. Uh, dancing his ass off. You can't see him, but he's he's dancing with Jerry the fucking mouse in this, man. That, that's him in that clip. Great. Gene Kelly, I mean, he was a hell of a day. He's like a Savion Glover, you know? <laughs> he can tap dance his ass off. And I think he could act, too. That but was his, yeah. Did you watch a Gene Kelly movie, Steve? Because I sure as fuck didn't. I, I, I watch old stuff. I, I might have seen a Gene Kelly movie and didn't realize it. I don't know. But I, I I know his name. He's that he was that big of a deal. It's kind of like you didn't have to know or listen to R. Kelly. But uh, people old as fuck have they are aware of the man's name for good reasons or bad. Um, but sidetrack the fuck, Sally. I, I don't like know. that you connected G, <laughs> like R. Kelly and Gene Kelly. I mean, why not? Fuck it. Yeah. They, they, it there's a link there. Yeah. Oh, Steve, you're awesome, dude. Everything's awesome. Uh, in 1997, Scotty Bowman becomes the first coach in NHL history to win 1,000 games. And this is probably our second or third time mentioning Scotty Bowman because he, he's probably the NHL coach of the 90s. Stop being so bald and good at coaching, Scotty. Yeah, man. I do pop my collar to you, though. Uh, but in 1999, February 2nd, Noggin is launched as a joint venture between NTV Networks and Sesame Workshop. I don't remember. I think the reason I knew about it is this is how when we were stoned in college, we would see Nick Arcade and shit like that. Noggin. They had their noggin working because this is what we wanted. The people from our era, we want like, man, how can we get saved by the bell and fucking salute your shorts and all of this shit all thrown into one? Noggin was like, hold on a second. Hold my beer. I'll, I'll up you one. I'll give you Nick Arcade. Goddamn guts. But did you bust yet? Because I'm going to throw a couple of Pete and Pete's on there too. Pete maybe and a, Pete. Maybe a Finder's Keepers that you never knew existed. Legends, Legends of, of the, the Hidden, Hidden Temple. Temple. In 1722. See, I, I, could do, I could do Olmec, Steve. I think I somebody give me a job. George Washington was a scumbag. Facts, anywhere a lace front. But any callbacks, takeaways, credit disputes. I just want to shout out to the WWE for doing I like to see companies embracing the fact that just it's a nostalgia thing in some cases. And they leaned into it on the 30th anniversary, from what I can see, and they got a bunch of guys together that you didn't think you were gonna see. And I love it. And if Vince McMahon if was behind it, I love that he's back and he's behind the wheel and fuck all the bullshit. Do it, Vince. Man, yeah, dude, he's back. And you know, he's coming to get his chips with the dip because Vince always wins. 
And haven't me, they learned yet? They've tried this. You tried to get him for the steroids, and he was like, "Oh, that's cool. Yeah, steroids. What are those? Let me go do a fucking th- thousand pound fucking deadlift in front of the judge and walk out there." So you can try all you want, and anybody who was even surprised at why he got canceled. I mean, shame on you. You were surprised that the head of the WWF had a little bit of a slush fund to make people silent about some sexual stuff. I mean, I would expect that. Seems smart to me. He he loses battles, but he never loses wars. Hell no. Shout out, Vince. What about you, Steve? Uh, Man, I got to watch a lot of this shit on our list today, man. But uh, in 1990, Baywatch, uh, they're airing the episode Muddy Waters. And one of the lifeguards, they're getting called out for being featured in a calendar, a a lifeguard calendar by the boss up there in Baywatch land. And I I found this meta because this is a precursor to a later lifeguard that they would get in the cast. And it was like, dude, if, if you're threatening to fire her over a fucking calendar, and it was an innocent <laughs> calendar, she's got on a bathing suit. If you're threatening to fire her, wait till this other lifeguard, wait, wait till she leaves tool time. You're going to get one. Jay, and like, man, we have this tape here. Do you want to explain to yourself? Because first of all, are you okay? That thing, you might have done some internal damage. It, it, are you familiar with the story? How how her coworkers found out about the tape? Watching it and jacking off? I, mm. I, pretty. I don't know about the jacking off. Maybe, uh, maybe it was a circle jerk. Definitely. But like this episode, Muddy Waters, it, it was kind of meta as to like what would happen in real life on this show because there was a moment where Pamela Anderson is going through like getting ready for shooting or whatever, and she's seeing a bunch of guys huddled up and they're all looking at something on tv and she didn't tell anybody because it leaked and like they're sure enough they're all watching her and tommy do the get down Mm -hmm. uh so yeah Baywatch Muddy Waters. Uh, and also in 1990, Family Matters is airing the episode The Party. They're still in first season and the, you got the young Erk man and you get a cameo from Waldo who's not known as Waldo at this time. I think he's credited as Guy in the Shower Cat. And um, it's one Waldo of my favorite Waldo Faldo? Yes. The? The, the Waldo. And uh, Perfect Strangers, we're going to get to talk about that eventually. They're ever an episode, Nightmare Vacation. And it it's basically Larry, he's booking this trip for him, uh, Balky, and the two girls. And it puts Chilligan's Island to shame. It's a horrible destination. And it, they get to a point where a, a storm arrives and it blows one of the fucking walls off. Okay. It's fucking crazy shit. A lot of gangsta shit happened February 2nd. Uh, Golden Girls in 1991 is airing There Goes the Bride Part 1. And Stan, he has a date with Dorothy and he re- tries to reclaim her. He proposes to her again. He's like, I only want to be with you, boo. Yeah. She fucking takes the offer. But Sophia, she's very Marlon Brando in this episode. Very Italian. And she's like, honesty is big in our family. And if I can't trust you, you're no longer in the family. And this is how the episode ends. I'm like, damn, Sophia. Damn. Like, like the shit, shit got heavy. <laughs> you just hear a gun click and it goes to black. Yeah. Man, the, end of the Sopranos of- before it even happened. Stan, we have to have a talk. She did not fuck with Stan. But, but like Stan put them words and the moves on her. He's like, look, man, I ain't getting no younger. So and you are always dateless. Post me. So what, what do you say? 
stand, dude. I mean, you can shoot your shots, man. Fuck it. You're about to be dead anyway, so. In 1993, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Marcus Allen arrives in the episode How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. It, that's all. Uh, it, it's a cameo from Marcus Allen. Uh, but 1995, Martin is airing Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent. And that shit is fucking hilarious in a lot of ways because it's got Hustle Man and Brum Man in the same episode. Hell yeah. uh, Hustle Man's like, man, got the hands on a branch. And Mars is like, man, we ain't buying no barbecue pigeons. And he's like, I dipped it in my special sauce. I made it with pork and bean juice. It's like, man, it's cold in here. Man, what you ain't pay your rent? <laughs> So, like, that's one of my favorite episodes. I got a lot of Martin episodes, man. Seinfeld, they're airing their 100th episode, a highlight of 100. And 1996, Step by Step is airing the episode Snow Bunnies. And I, I watched it, and it's not as promising as, like, I thought it would be. Um, but Al, she looks kind of cute in it, I guess. What, Stacey Keenan was that's in, how we got in that bitch, Steve? Stacey Keenan was in it, but she's wearing her like typical like Janine Garofalo outfit, just ah, okay. like very librarian. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not trying to be sexy. No. She knew you were looking, Steve. Fucking burning eyes through her fucking chest with those fucking stares, those hungry eyes of yours. He's looking at you, and he wants to bust. Get the curtains, master drapes. <laughs> Please like, share, subscribe, and comment. And tell your little sister that punks jump up to get beat down. Please check out Over the Culture on Sundays. Crushgasm on Wednesday with Kendra. B3F Podcast with Joy and Steve. And Don't Worry, B-Movie with Amanda and Wade. This is Steve G and Maggie with Happen in the 90s. Goo punch.